lifepodcasts.fm. This is a word on AI, a three-part series to understand artificial intelligence. Welcome back from me, Colin Cullis, and Alan Kent, the head of digital at Prime Media Broadcasting. In the previous two episodes, Alan has outlined the principal methods and types of machine learning you're likely to come across in your business operations. The focus of this episode is if, when, and how you could use it in your work. If you missed those, please go back and listen to that first. Alan has chosen some projects at Prime Media Broadcasting that we have used machine learning to add to our ability to analyze and review the work we do. Which project will you be describing first, Alan? So I think before I get into the first project that we're going to talk about, I just want to talk a little bit about how you could implement uh, machine learning within your business and, and the approach that we've taken with implementing machine learning. It's not a, an end-to-end approach. There are applications where there is you can take an entire process and replace it with a, a series of machine learning tasks that can achieve that for you. The approach that we've taken is to look at individual pain points within the business, things that might be difficult to do, time-consuming, uh, or just really boring for people to do, and see how we can automate that through the, through the use of machine learning processes. And I think that's a, it's a nice, easy way to get it in, to, to land it in the business, is you, if you can identify something that's problematic or a pain point for people, they're more readily going to adopt a machine learning approach if you're making their lives easier or quicker or giving them some more time back in their day. The first one that, that we implemented, and this is not something that we had to go out and build, but they are, it, it's a solved problem, and this was doing sentiment analysis. So we get a lot of messages into the studio. Uh, people mention our brands online, on Twitter, on Facebook, and it's useful for our teams to get a, an idea as to what the overall sentiment is, what people are thinking about us. Could you talk us a little bit about how it does that? Yeah, so in, in the first example, there are existing data sets that are already labeled. So you can grab a data set online of messages, of things people have said, um, reviews they've made online, and they're already labeled with sentiment, positive, negative. And then you can use those in a supervised machine learning algorithm. Your sentiment is the label, the text of the message is the data that you're providing it with, and then you just train your classification algorithm to do that. Because it's such a, a, a common task, you can actually just use a machine learning algorithm that is already trained. You don't have to do the training yourself. Obviously, there are nuances within every country, within every community, within any language around sentiment. So to get the best possible result, what we would do is take the messages that we've received and then get a person to go back and, and relabel those to look, kind of look at what the sentiment analysis algorithm has predicted and then correct it. So if it predicted something as positive and it was actually negative, we correct that. And then we can retrain that algorithm with the corrected data so that it, it learns the specifics and the nuances of how people are interacting with us specifically. Another simple one that we do is around regression. So we look at the sort of numbers. Can we predict how many people will visit an article, how many people might like a Facebook post, tweet, those sorts of things. And that's a, that's a simple regression algorithm that we can take historical data that we have from the last kind of six or seven years of having written articles and made, made social posts, and then do kind of a forward prediction on how much traffic we think that article would get. And again, that's a, quite a straightforward one. I think when we get into some of the more interesting projects, like speech-to-text or how we try and understand language, that it really it gets a lot more interesting. Are there any other business examples you might want to share, Alan? So one of the other areas that where we're using machine learning is in making the processing of interviews much quicker. So for our journalists that do 
interviews either telephonically or on they record on their on their phone when they come around to writing an article it's quite time consuming to sit and listen back and listen back and listen back so we're using speech to text specifically to take the audio of the recording and to generate a transcript of that so that becomes immediately searchable and far quicker for them to find the salient points inside of the interview to, so that they can write the article up Another one we use quite a lot, and we didn't really talk too much about this algorithm in in the first two episodes, is where we use something called word embeddings. And word embeddings are a way of representing text in a way that a computer can understand. So computers can only understand numbers. Uh, when we're faced with a, with a, a, a paragraph of text, we understand the meaning of what the words are that we're looking at. For a computer, the word robber and the word thief are diff- very different words. But when we look, when we think about the words robber and thief, we have the same sense of, of meaning. It's the same thing to us, effectively. So what word embeddings do is they build a representation of language and of words in language in a way that that retains the similarity between words that are that effectively mean the same thing. So we do that a lot on um, with our articles. We do that with a lot of the, the text that we get through surveys and messages that come in. Um, and we convert the text into these representations so that words that have similar meaning can be clustered together. So when we're looking at what words are or what themes are popular or coming through, we're not getting the same, we're not getting two words that represent the same theme. Effectively, those words get joined into the same representation of that word. And we're using that to start clustering text to kind of understand how we extract themes out of it. So can we take a bunch of articles and cluster them together using these representations so that articles that talk about the same thing but may use very different words to talk about that thing get clustered together? And that's quite a lot of what we do revolves around that. And then the the use of those clusters and those representations that we then pass those into other algorithms, maybe use those as the inputs for a regression algorithm to, you know, work out how many clicks we think the article will get and that sort of stuff. Let's say we were a business manufacturing or maybe something like retail. What level of digital capacity should there be in the business to take on something like that versus saying, I'm just going to go and find a provider who will provide me with these answers using machine learning? So at what point do businesses start seeing this as being something that falls within their own competency? So I think there's uh, there's a lot to be said about domain knowledge around what your business is. Um, and a lot of people may already have sort of an intuitive understanding as to how they can use the data and, and what that data could tell them. I think there's great value in understanding how these algorithms work, what can be done with them. And if it's going to form a core part of your business, then 100% you need to have the capacity internally in order to make it happen. And make it happen can take multiple forms. The one way is that you have the resource internally, you have the team that can work with the data. So you have data scientists who can work with the data, get it in the right format, train the algorithms, select the correct algorithm first, and then then train the algorithm in order to, to get the result that you need. But more and more, the sort of Amazons and the Googles and the Microsofts of the world are making it far, far easier for companies to get into machine learning and and AI at the end of the day um, by creating these platforms that are self-service to a certain extent. So you can upload your data 
do certain common functions with it and train an algorithm quite quickly and easily without needing a huge amount of capacity. Okay, so let's look at the data because with every project, the, the volume and the quality of the data is going to determine the quality of the results. What are some of the key pointers to consider for getting that right? And with privacy uh, legislation coming, what sort of considerations to protect customer data? So the privacy thing is going to be a lot more important as soon as it becomes law. It's imminent, I guess. Well, I guess it's been imminent for <laughs> a couple of years now. But tied up in that in the law is simple common sense, right? So don't collect and store data that you don't need, especially if, if it's private data or people that or what people will consider to be private take good care of the data don't leave it lying around don't put it on places that anyone can access especially not on the internet and let people know what data you have about them and give them the ability to to ask for you to delete that that information about them in terms of the the kind of what sorts of data you need and the volume of it more traditional machine learning algorithms perform sufficiently well with smaller amounts of data when you get down to the training of these algorithms, the more data that you have, obviously the better that they, they will learn. But a large part of any machine learning or data science project is going to be the collection of the data and the processing of that data to get it into a format that works for the algorithm. And often there's a lot of technical hurdles that you have to jump through in order to get the data, get it into the right place, get it into one place so that you can start working with it. For some companies, just implementing a system where they start actually storing the data. You know, a lot of places that it might be on paper, it might be that it's not seen as as important, so the numbers aren't actually written down anywhere or collected. And then when you when you get to the point where you think, oh, I see an opportunity for doing something in my business that will that that will make our lives easier, you actually discover that for the maybe the last couple of years you you haven't really thought about that um about the data and you've just really been throwing it away. Sometimes, though, the hype still does creep in. So what are the limitations? For put it in terms of the regression one we used uh, a couple of times, uh, and somebody's looking to predict sales, the opportunity that you can do is if you've been selling something, you can get an historical view that will give you a future prediction about how much you can continue selling of those things. But you can't use machine learning to introduce a new product and it tell you you'll be able to sell so much of this new product. Or could it? <laughs> Yes, I, I think it, it can to a certain extent. This is where it, it becomes interesting, right? So you'd have your model from your historical data for your historical product. I would say that you would you would still need some data to, to for a new product in order to kind of make some sort of predictions. Uh, you can start generalizing. The purpose of a machine learning algorithm, or the ultimate goal of a machine learning algorithm, is to to generalize on the data to not learn it 100%, but to try and work out how in general it works so that you can then, when given new data, predict the outcome. There may be elements within something like a sales algorithm that it has generalized on something that you can transfer across into the new product. It might be that it is a category of product. So you already have a product in that same category, so you can generalize back up to the category and get a good idea of the volume of sales for product in that category. What sort of stuff is a good next step for people to get a little more comfortable with the theory and the logic that that goes into uh, making these things work? These platforms are relatively easy to use, but you do, you do still need to have a little bit of an, an understanding of, of what's possible and, and how to approach it, right? So the first 
thing that I would recommend if you're really interested is to read a book called Hello World, Being Human in the Age of Algorithms. It's by a mathematician called Hannah Fry, and it's a really engaging read that takes you through what machine learning is, what the algorithms are, how they work, but without getting into, as you said earlier, into the, into the very weeds of it. And it gives it to you a very high level. And it's a really good read to get a, get a good understanding of what's out there, what's possible, what's not. If you're in sort of business and you're really interested in understanding how artificial intelligence and machine learning algorithms that we've been speaking about can apply in your business, there is a online course that is run with Get Smarter and in collaboration with MIT, and it's called Artificial Intelligence Implications for Business Strategy. It's a six-week online course, and it gives you a more in-depth understanding of the things that we've been speaking about, but layered in a business context, as in how do I take this and make it real for me and my business? And that's a, it's a really worthwhile course. And the third thing that I can recommend, and this is this has been recommended to me, I haven't done it myself. First two I've read and, and, and attended, um, but the this is a, a Udemy course called Machine Learning A to Z, and it is a very detailed, hands-on code approach to machine learning. So it takes you through all of the algorithms that we've just spoken about, the regression, the classification, takes you through word embeddings, dimensionality reduction, and it allows you to write, and it, it works with Python and R, so if either you need to have some familiarity with one of those programming languages, but it really takes you uh, into the weeds of it and gives you a really, from what I've been told, from, and people I respect have done this course and really and rave about it, it gives you a, a really broad and good understanding of, of the algorithms and how they work. Thanks for the insights, sir, Alan. I'd like us to return to the beginning and redo that initial survey about the optimism for AI. In your case, it wasn't that optimistic, not that you were pessimistic about it, just that you gave a more accurate reflection of where we are and what we can what can be done with it. But for everybody else, this is maybe a good opportunity to see the degree to which you have a new understanding about what AI can and can't do. Question one is, do you agree that AI will become as smart as humans? And your options were agree, strongly agree, disagree, strongly disagree, or don't know? Question two was, do you agree AI will have a larger impact on the world than the internet revolution? Question three asked, do you agree AI is good for society? Question four, do you agree AI will eliminate human bias such as gender bias? And question five, do you agree AI will displace more jobs than it creates in the long run? Most of the survey respondents, and these were CEOs, were quite optimistic. The highest being China uh, at 31, uh, the lowest being Russia at 2. South Africa came somewhere in the middle at 16. The option now is for you to test yourself and see how that goes. You can read the rest of those insights as well from the PwC CEO survey. Uh, the link is included. Thank you for listening to A Word on AI. We hope we have added to your knowledge and understanding of machine learning and perhaps even started you on a new path to learn more. This podcast is part of a larger series of A Word on podcasts aimed at introducing and explaining a variety of subjects. We hope you found them useful. If you do, please share it with others that they may benefit from them as well. Livepodcasts.fm A Word on AI. Understanding Artificial Intelligence. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite podcast app. Lifepodcasts.fm.